kind of a taboo thing in the church where it's not really talked about. And it seems that if you're in church, you shouldn't deal with depression and all the things that come with it. Welcome to the Real Talk 238 podcast with your host, Denise Lee, an Associate Licensed Counselor and Nationally Board Certified Counselor in the state of Alabama under the supervision of Cotina Stroud. The Real Talk 238 podcast has real conversations concerning taboo topics, which people may find themselves struggling with that may not be discussed, especially in relation to the church. The purpose of the Real Talk 238 podcast is to bring awareness, hope, and encouragement. Having these conversations will shed light on the truth and break the lie of being the only one, being stuck, isolated, and alone because there is someone else who has gone through something similar. Topics discussed on the Real Talk 238 podcast are not a substitute nor does it replace professional medical, psychiatric, psychological, or mental health advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and is intended strictly for informational and educational purposes only. All right, let's get started. Hey, welcome to today's podcast. We have a guest today. Her name is Kara Thomas, and she's an entrepreneur for a growing business for health and wellness, which allows her to work from home and spend time with her kids. She's also a homeschool mom. She currently lives in the state of Virginia. She's married to George and has been married for 19 years. She has four kids, which include a set of twins, and they age and range from 14 to 18, three girls and a boy. And they are teenagers, so that's an interesting experience right now. She attends church at Cornerstone United Pentecostal Church in Winchester, Virginia, and she's been there since 2007. She currently serves in the cleaning ministry praise team and as a worship leader, and she has a zoo at her house. She has three dogs, a cat, two birds, a fish, a snail, two lizards, which are a gecko and bearded dragon. And soon to add another addition, a bunny. And then she was born and raised in Frederick, Maryland. She was a preacher's kid. Her father was an associate pastor for 20 years. And then when Kara turned 17, her dad was voted in as pastor of a church and has since pastored a couple of churches. Kara has overcome many obstacles in her life and is here to tell her story to encourage others so that they can make it too. And a fun fact about Kara Growing up, she wanted nothing to do with the kitchen, but she now has the nickname Betty Crocker. Hey, Kara, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing good. Did you want to add anything to that introduction? No, I think that's good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Today, when I originally reached out to you, had posted, and this has been, I know, probably over a year ago when I was really trying to get the whole podcast thing going. You had posted this video, and I don't really think I had interacted with you before this video, and it really stuck out to me. It really touched my heart. How did the video start? Because how you started it, you went in a whole different direction. Yeah, I started to talk about because 
so many people deal with depression and they feel like something's wrong with them. They don't understand and they don't know how to cope with it or how to get better and get to the other side of it. So I thought I'd just be bold for once and just share a little bit of my story because, you know, it's kind of a taboo thing in the church where it's not really talked about. And it seems that if you're in church, you shouldn't deal with depression and all the things that come with it. So I just thought I'd share a little bit about my story, encourage people that, hey, it's okay, you're going to make it. Absolutely. And you know, depression is a very real thing. I know, in my practice, I see many, many people with it. And you know, you're right in church, it's not talked about and people do deal with depression. It's almost shamed upon. Yeah, you know, as sad as that is. All right. So here you started out. And then where did that video go off into? It ended up taking a different path and it ended with me encouraging people because I've had so many different people come into my life that encouraged me and helped me to see myself as God sees me and helped me see my words. So I wanted to pour that back into somebody else. There was one other thing you had mentioned in that video that really caught my attention as well. And that was on bullying. Yeah. Can you say more about that? Well, yeah. Growing up, I was bullied by my peers. There was actually a group of people at our church that were my age, and they kind of took it upon themselves to just really, I don't know why, but really just tear me down and make me feel worthless and like I didn't even belong on the planet. They just, they would call me names. They would tell me that I was, I was too fat. I was too skinny. They would tell me I couldn't sing. They would tell me, tell me I'm not pretty enough. Just things, you know, things that bullies do and they would taunt me. And because of having that in the church atmosphere, it really took a toll on me emotionally and mentally and even spiritually because I'm like, if these people that I go to church with are going to treat me like this, and they're supposed to be Christ-like, is that how Christ feels about me? So it took on a whole different thing through the years and just kind of grew from that. Was this like any particular, about what age was you when this was going on? It started when I was really young. Um, I I can remember about six years old it starting, but it, it went on all the way through my teenage years until we left that particular church. So, so like 10 years worth of bullying. Pretty much. Yeah. How does that, I mean, I know it's a real, especially because those are your formative years, right? You know, you're developing and especially for girls, you know, girls are different than boys, Mm -hmm. girls, their development is all outward. You know, it's physically, you can see this transformation going from a little girl into womanhood. What were the ways you would deal with it and cope with when all that stuff was going on? A lot of times I just, I ended up reaching out to friends at school who didn't even know God because they would be like, they would encourage me and they would, you know, they would tell me basically the opposite of how I was being treated at church. I ended up gaining more friends from school. And of course they ended up becoming a not so good influence on me. And thankfully, you know, I was able to see it in middle school as I'd be like, um, these aren't the friends I need. But in that meantime, that was who I leaned on because I didn't have anybody else. I mean, my dad understood me because he kind of dealt with the same thing growing up, you know, and feeling like he didn't belong. So he was able to help me a little bit. But other than that, it was pretty much just my friends from public school. Where do you think the most darkest period was at? Or or was there even a darkest? I mean, was it all darkest? Or was there like a point where it was just there was just that pivotal point that if it doesn't change here, it's never going to change? It was probably when I was around 15, 16. I remember wanting to take my life because I'm like, what's the sense of me even being here? I'm worthless. I'm not any good to anybody. They don't need me. They don't want me. Suicide was on my mind a lot. And then for a little while, it got better. 
you know, and I was able to get out of that part until after I had my kids, sometime after I had all four of my kids, the suicidal thoughts came again. It was a really, really just, I guess a dark period really lasted several years. And it just covered us such a span of time that I really can't say exactly the, the timing of it all. But it's just like, there was, like I said, even after being married and having all my kids, I reached a point where I was just like, my kids don't even need me. So why should I even be here? It probably lasted a good 10 years, that dark period. Do you think part of that could have been like from postpartum depression? Well, see, they did wonder about that after having my kids. But because when I would hold my kids, especially when they were newborns, when I would hold them, I'd feel better. So they were able to detect that that wasn't what it was, but it wasn't really until I was probably about, I'd say about 26 years old, my mom really noticed that something wasn't right with me. And she's, she talked to my husband and my husband, he didn't believe in depression. He didn't think it was a real thing. You know, I love him. He just didn't understand it. He does now, but my mom talked him into taking me to a doctor. So he did. He listened and he took me to the doctor and the doctor actually took time to explain to him about depression. And because of that, he was able to realize how truly real it is. And they were able to get me on a medication regimen. But there's so many other things that come with that, the side effects. And then I had one that just literally just knocked me out. I couldn't even, I wasn't even coherent. I couldn't wake up long enough to be any good. And I'm just like, well, without it. I'm no good with it. I'm no good. So what's the point, you know? And they finally got me on one that worked really well and it didn't make me near as drowsy, but it's still the other side effects. So it really, it just, even the medication itself took a toll on me. And, you know, that's a important point you bring up that sometimes, you know, when you're dealing with depression, sometimes medication is needed. Yes. And I know like within church settings, you know, they're, why is it okay for a person with diabetes to take insulin, a medication, but yet somebody that deals and struggles with depression, it's not okay. Right. You know, and I think that's so unfair because there's a lot of different things that goes on with somebody who struggles with depression. It could be spiritual. Mm -hmm. It could be hormones are totally off. Right. It could be brain chemistry is off. It could be a number of, it could be 101 different things. For me, you know, I think there was a spiritual aspect to it, but there was also because of the bullying that over time, if you don't know how to handle it, those voices become your, your own voice. What they told me all those years, I heard it so many times that I started telling myself those same things. And I believed them because I had been told them by so many different voices. And now, you know, they were my inner voice. And so it became a two-sided thing. It wasn't all spiritual, but it wasn't all imbalance either. Those negative, the constant negative mm -hmm. messages that were told over and over and over. How do you get through when you're having those, that constant internal dialogue where you're not good enough, you're not, you're too fat, too skinny, whatever the messages were. How do you break that? Well, for me, it came as because of the business that I found. I acquired a group of ladies that we have a saying that when you don't believe in yourself, borrow the belief from somebody else. And they poured into me and they saw that I was broken and they saw that my inner voice was not what it should be. And they began just teaching me, you know, how to shift my mindset. And they said, personal development is what they call it. And they're like, you need to listen to this. You need to watch this. And they began to become a voice to me. And one of the things, you know, that they taught me was something called affirmations. And it's, you basically speak to yourself what you want. You may not feel it, but things like I am worthy, I am capable, 
I am strong enough. God is on my side. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. There's things like that. Even when you don't feel it, if you begin to speak it out loud, there's power in the spoken word. Yes. The Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. And when you begin to speak to yourself positive things, even if you don't feel it, even if it's the complete and total opposite of what you feel, there is power in that. And you might have to do it every day for two months before you feel a shift, but eventually it takes and shifts your brain because you have to change your thinking before you can change who you are and how you act. And one of the ways to do that is to speak things into existence. And some of the things they taught me to do also was those videos, the personal development videos that just spoke to the worth that all of us has in us. We just don't always see it because of our inner dialogue or the outside voices that we have in our life that may not believe in us the way we need to be believed in. Yes, exactly. And that's such an important point. I know I've, I've asked several clients that I've worked with, and I don't know why their response or their reaction really surprises me at times, because I ask them, do you value yourself? Do you feel yourself as worthy? I mean, sometimes there's tears that come out of that because they don't value themselves and they don't feel that they're worthy. Right. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people that feel that way. You know, everybody needs to realize is they have a purpose and they have a destiny and they are worthy, but they have to be able to find a path that helps them to realize that because not everyone is shown how to believe in themselves. I was just, you know, I was asking God for answers. I was seeking help because I felt like I had been delivered from depression by the time I found these ladies, but I didn't know how to break the cycle of my thought patterns. Right. And so I was asking God for answers and I actually almost didn't jump at the chance that was given me. And I was like, you know what? I'll give it a chance. And when I found out, you know, I tell people I joined for the money, but I stay for the family because what these ladies have done for me as far as helping me shift a mindset. And so now when I'm in a, I feel like I'm back in that dark well and that, or that dungeon or that pit, whatever you want to call it, you know, for your life, when you're, when I get when I get back to a point where I'm there because of life happenings, I know how to get myself back out. I know how not to stay there. I know what I need to do, but not everybody is given that chance. And that's what I want to be a voice for. I want people to know that they are enough right? and they are capable and worthy of even more than what they are currently. Absolutely. Absolutely. Where do you think, I know you said it was a couple of months before listening to the different things you listened to in this this entrepreneurship that you were doing. It took a couple months, but when did you like realize like it finally the light bulb clicked on and it was like, oh, I am worthy. Yeah. Oh, I have value. Oh, God does love me. Oh, God has a purpose for me. God sees purpose for me. Where do you think that was? Was it like a surprise? Like all of a sudden one day you realize, oh, I haven't had a beat me up thought in a while. Basically, it probably took about six months for me because my mindset was in such a bad place. And so even though I was hearing all those voices, it was like, well, they're just saying that to me because I'm on their team or they're just... Or the video they sent me, that person's just saying it because that's their job to do those kind of videos. You know, that was because when you deal with the that kind of mindset for so long, my pastor has actually said multiple times that it takes, I believe, 21 positive thoughts to overcome. I'm sorry, seven positive thoughts to overcome one negative thought. Yes. Seven positive for one negative. So when you're told you're not enough every day for years by outside voices and then even your inner voice, when it goes over to that, it's going to take a while for you to realize you're worthy of it. 
it's going to take a little bit, but it was the point that they didn't give up on me and I didn't give up on myself. I was like, you know what? If I am truly worthy enough, I'm going to do this until I feel it. And now that I feel it, I'm like, okay, I got to teach other people how to do this. Right. Because I can't, this was something I knew nothing about. And now I can't keep it quiet because people need to know their true worth. Even if they can't see it, they need to know it. But yeah, it was probably a good six months for me before the light bulb finally went off. And we're like, I was like, wait a minute, when did I start thinking this way? Right. Because it was kind of sudden because I didn't recognize it right away that my mind shift, my mindset had started to shift. Did you ever have times and I was just going back to those really dark periods where like, I don't know, maybe you did this, but. Like you go to the altar and you're praying, God, help me, help me get over it. And then somebody comes up to you who's, you know, trying to be helpful, supportive. And they tell you this very thing. Just let it go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Many, many times. It's like, but yet they don't teach you how to let it go. Right, exactly. And that's another thing, you know, the scripture says to bring all your cares to Jesus and lay it at his feet. But our problem is so many times we lay it down and we pray and then we pick it back up before we walk out the door. It's almost as if we don't know how to survive without it. Right. And that was the place I was. It was like, well, if I don't have this mindset. Who am I? And so I had to come to the realization that in all reality, I had lost myself because I became such a people pleaser. I wanted to please my children. I wanted to please my parents. I wanted to please my husband. I wanted to please the people at my church. I wanted to please my pastor, you know? And so I was more concerned about pleasing everybody and making sure that I gave them the answers they were looking for from me, that that's who I became. And I, I didn't know who I was. Right. And so that was part of the process too, is I had to come to realize I'm not just a mom of four. I am Kara Thomas. I'm a blessed mama of four. I am a child of the king. I am worthy of more because my daddy owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he does not want me to live life like this. But I had to come to the realization of that because of being put down on my life and turning into a people pleaser because of that. I wanted to make everybody happy. I had to first come to that realization like, okay, who am I? Yes. And so I kind of had to come to that and start to find myself again before I could even completely change my mindset. And sometimes too, we are so scared of what we're going to find when we start to search ourselves. We're so scared of who we really are. You know, when you deal with depression, all you know about yourself is I'm a depressed person. If you're a people pleaser, I'm just a people pleaser. So if I start to do the work, what am I going to find? Right. And so I had to face that fear too, that, you know, yes, there are going to be things that you know, you have to work on when you start to change your mindset, but you're worth it. You're worth that work because that when you put in that work and you know, you did everything you could to accomplish that task, you're going to be so stinking proud of yourself. And then you're going to realize, wait a minute. Okay. I made it through that. Let's move on to the next thing. Because when you begin to see who you really are, you really begin to realize your worth. It's not just about who I was and the work I had to put in but it's who am I becoming right? while I'm putting in that work. Something else I was thinking about too was, you know, you have a added an extra part of this that really does impact your life. And, you know, you grew up in a preacher's home. Mm-hmm. You were a preacher's kid. So then there's that added expectation of how you're supposed to appear, what I call living in the glass house, yes. you know, and sad as it is to say, sometimes 
people in the church are the worst ones to condemn the pastor or the preacher and his family. They're sometimes the not everybody because some people are just wonderful, absolutely wonderful. But then there are those people that want to tear down the, the preacher's family. How do you being living in that glass house of being the preacher's kid and how do you think do you think that made things worse or do you think that it helped you maneuver through those dark periods I I think in a lot of ways it made it worse because I actually had one person this was after I was married and had kids you know my dad's a prayer warrior he's traveled to different places and done prayer seminars and stuff so I actually had one person you know in one of my dark periods actually come and pray for me and they said you know, with your daddy being who they, who he is, you shouldn't be having these issues. Oh, And I was like, I was stunned because I'm like, you're supposed to be praying for me and helping me. And now I just feel like I'm being attacked. That was another thing I had to, I was like, wait a minute, I'm more than just my daddy's daughter. <laughs> you know, I have my own struggles, but so yeah, I'd say in some ways it made it worse, but at the same time, my parent, you know, and as a kid, I didn't want to listen to this, but you know, my parents were like, Kara, you got to let it go, honey. You got to pray through it. You got to, and they didn't mean it as in just let it go. They actually gave me some tools on how to let it go. But because I was a stubborn teenager, I was just like, forget this. I'm not doing that. Right. You know? And so it just kind of built up. But because of that, yeah, I mean, because people expected me to live up to such a high standard because of who my parents were. But thankfully, my parents were understanding and patient with me. And it did help. But how other people viewed me because of being a pastor's kid and, you know, and preacher's kid, it definitely took that in itself took a toll. So as we begin to wrap up, you know, with what you've been through in your experience, and I so appreciate you, you know, coming on here and being willing to, you know, being vulnerable, because it really is, it's hard to be vulnerable, especially in this day and time we live in. Just right now, talk to talk to that person out there that is going through that. And what would you say to them, especially those that their dad may be a pastor or a preacher? Well, one thing I will tell you is you are not who the world or the voices of your coworkers or your peers say you are. Number one, you are a child of God. You are worthy because he went to the cross and died for us and he made us worthy. He made you worthy. He loved you so much. And John 3, 16 is actually my favorite scripture because it got me through all those dark years because I was like, if he loved me enough that he stretched his arms out and he died for me, that means at least one person loves me. And I want to encourage you today. It's okay. It's okay that you're dealing with this. It does not mean you're broken. It does not mean that there's something wrong with you, but you can overcome this. You do not have to stay in that dark pit. You do not have to stay in the depths of despair. You do not have to stay in the well of depression because there's a guy that loves you enough that he has his arms stretched out to pull you out. And I'm going to give you a couple tools to, to do that because the Bible says to encourage yourself in the Lord. So if all you can say is, I am worthy because I'm a child of God. I am worthy because he loves me. I am worthy because he died for me. I am worthy because my daddy owns a cattle on a thousand hills and he loves me. I'm worthy because of who he is, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. Another thing is get in the word, memorize the word, find yourself some time alone with God to pray, find that prayer closet. And no, it doesn't have to be an actual closet. Just find yourself a prayer room where you and God, you pour your heart out to him and then you let him fill your cup. Another thing I do is I like to read my devotions because they pour so much into me. 
And when I'm having a bad day and 2020, as we know, was a horrible year, my family had crisis after crisis. And I had a spot where I didn't want, I felt myself going back in depression. I didn't want to, I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to see people. I didn't want to talk to people, but I took the tools that had been given me and I started listening to those voices. I turned on some gospel music and I just let the presence of God sweep over me. And that's what I want you to do. If you, all you can do is lay in your bed and listen to music and just let the tears fall. That's fine because tears are prayers too. So turn that music on, turn that preaching video on, whatever you know speaks to you, get in it, listen to it, close your eyes and just let it wash over you. Because when you are down, you have to find that pattern, that path to shift your thoughts And however, whatever works for you, because you know your thoughts, you know what works for you and what doesn't. Music and sermons work for me. That may not work for you. So you get in the word of God, you find time for prayer, whatever works for you and get your pattern, your, that pattern shifted and start thinking of the things of God. If all you can do is quote scripture, quote that scripture, because God is for you. He is not against you. What the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, he will raise up a standard. So lift your voice, lift your hands, and just talk to God, whether it's just tears flowing, because I don't want you to remain there because you are worthy of more. You are worthy of so much more. You are the head and you are not the tail. You are above, you are not beneath. You are called, you are chosen. You have a purpose, you have a vision, you have a destiny, but it's your choice whether you pick yourself up and go after it or you stay where you are. And I don't want you to stay where you are because God wants you to move. And when God says move, we have to. So let him lead and let him guide. You've got this brother. You've got this sister. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. I believe in you. All right. Thank you, Kara. That was so powerful. I've got chills just up and down my arms right now. I've got chills all over, actually. Thank you so much again for coming on here and just talking to us. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's interview with Kara Thomas as much as I did. It was powerful and inspiring. If you would like to reach out to Kara, you can find her on Facebook at Know Your Worth. That's K-N-O-W-Y-O-U-R. W-O-R-T-H, where she is daily putting devotions and inspirational stories. Again, her Facebook page is Know Your Worth. Thank you for listening to the Real Talk 238 podcast for this week's episode. If you have enjoyed this episode of the Real Talk 238 podcast, please subscribe so you will be notified when new episodes are released. If you would like to leave a comment, or there is a topic you would like discussed on the Real Talk 238 podcast, you can drop an email at therealtalk238 at gmail.com. You can also find the Real Talk 238 podcast on Facebook and Instagram listed as at the Real Talk 238. As a reminder, the Real Talk 238 podcast is not a substitute, nor does it replace therapy. Always seek the advice of your physician or a qualified licensed mental health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or mental health disorder. Until next time, have a blessed day.